0: Do you have something you want to improve about yourself? Maybe it's something petty or embarrassing. That's where Personal Best comes in. Personal Best from CBC Podcast is a self-improvement show for people who don't like self-improvement. Vulture calls it a delightfully dorky romp through a world of hidden wants and quiet dreams. And Time Magazine says it's one of the funniest podcasts to hit our earbuds in years. Did they really say that? That is really nice of them. Find Personal Best on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, I'm Peter Oldring. And I'm Pat Kelly. And you're listening to This Is That, the show that brings you stories you won't hear anywhere else.
1: Are you people mad? This gives me great grief. The very thought of that offends me. It's a terrible idea. Documentary.
2: Oh, I just love the idea. Come on. I just
3: couldn't believe my ears. It's been an exciting week at the Canada Space Agency. On Tuesday, it was discovered that an unmanned spacecraft named Gordy that was launched in the 1970s and subsequently went missing has actually been located and may be returning to Earth. To tell us about his shock and excitement, we are joined by retired space agency engineer Larry Birnbaum, who was instrumental in championing Project Gordy those many, many years ago. Hello, Larry. How
1: are you doing?
3: I'm doing very well. How are you, sir?
1: I'm doing fantastic. Thank you very much for taking the time to chat with me.
3: Well, it's an absolute pleasure, and, and allow me to uh, wish you a congratulations, sir.
1: Oh, well, thank you very much. Yeah, this is big news. Uh, certainly wasn't expecting to get that phone call, I'll tell you that much.
3: No, indeed. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about how you felt when you did receive the call that uh, Project Gordy is, in fact, returning to Earth.
1: Oh, my goodness. I was absolutely floored, to tell you the truth. Uh, <laughs> you know... 43 years is a long time ago. Uh, I certainly had more hair back then. So, <laughs> I had kind of wiped Gordy from my memory to tell you the truth. So to get that call to find out that Gordy's on his way back to to Earth, who doggy I'll tell you that is some validation for sure.
3: Well, Larry, uh, take us back 43 years ago and, and and tell us a little bit about the original purpose for Project Gordy. Uh, what what was the spacecraft mission uh, meant to accomplish?
1: Wow. Well, Truthfully, there was no purpose other than to get them into outer space, right? You have to understand that the space program back then, we didn't have any resources at all, really. And so for the Canadians to get something into outer space, well, that was seen as an accomplishment. The Russians were doing this. The Americans were putting people on the moon. We just wanted to get something up there, and that's really what Project Gordy was. So a, a small team of engineers were put together. We said, well, do you think we can do it? Do we think we can get him up there? And lo and behold, we were able to launch Gordy successfully into outer space, but we had zero expectation that he would ever come back. And so to find out that he is, holy smokes, it means that we actually knew what we were doing.
3: Right. Well, now, uh, what what sort of information are you hoping that that Gordy may uh, have? Uh, is is there some scientific information? Well, I'm not
1: expecting any information because he wasn't equipped with any of that kind of equipment. I'll tell you, I'm I'm pretty curious to find out how that bag of Hawkins cheesies uh, did, because that's what I I put that in there.
3: Well, it certainly is uh, exciting. And and do you have any of uh, the information as to uh, where and and when Gordy uh, is expected to to return?
1: Well, they're saying maybe sometime next Tuesday and uh, somewhere over Russia, which is, you know, that's a bit far for me to get to. Of course, I don't, you know, the pension's not as... uh, high as I'd want it to be, so I don't have the resources to travel as much as I would, so in a perfect scenario, we'll probably just watch it on television, crack a couple of cold ones, and, uh, you know, say, job well done. Uh, Larry, uh,
3: what if I told you that on behalf of everybody here uh, at This Is That, we would like to fly you to wherever Gordy lands so that you could be there? Are you kidding me? Well, what if I told you that 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 that's what we would like to do?
1: Oh my goodness, that would be a trip of a lifetime for sure.
3: A a very special reunion. Uh, oh my for for a project that clearly you've spent a great deal of time working on as a younger man.
1: Oh, wow. I I'm going to have to sit down here for this. Wow, that's incredible.
3: Well, don't don't worry about sitting down. We can't do it because obviously we're publicly funded, we really can't do that. Uh, but it is a nice sentiment, isn't it? Yeah. We certainly wish that we could actually make it happen. Okay. But, but we cannot. Right. Well, thank you again for joining us, Larry, and congratulations on the exciting news that Gordy is coming home. Thank
0: you. It's smaller than a T-Rex, but bigger than a bread box. Can you guess what it is? If you guessed a Telomatophabriosaurus, you are correct. And the Telomatophabriosaurus is exactly what a team of paleontologists have discovered lying on the muddy shores of the Dakota River. Greg Taylor, the lead on the team, joins us in studio to tell us more about this remarkable find and to give us some insight as to why they have given this new dinosaur the playful nickname, Mr. Big Head. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Taylor, thank you so much for being here today.
4: Yes, well, thank you um, uh, very much uh, for, for having me on the program.
0: Um, I... I I guess the big question is uh, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll we'll get into a little bit more description about how you found the dinosaur. Yes. But why on earth is this named Mister Bighead?
4: Yes. Well, it's it's sort of a, a funny uh, um, way that we came about the the nickname. Uh, obviously, um, the name uh, Telemantofabriosaurus is uh, qu- quite a mouthful, uh, and so the uh, group of uh, scientists who were involved in the uh, discovery, we we said, well, uh, we we need. Uh, something that just sort of, uh, just that we can sort of refer to him uh, in, a, in a shorthand way. So we sort of said, well, it's sort of like a Mr. Uh, big Head. So we've just, that's sort of stuck.
0: Let's describe the the features of this dinosaur. Yes. So it obviously has a big head. How big yes. comparatively to the body or, or well, what dimensions are we talking about? It
4: is... Um, the, the body of the, the animal is uh, something similar to a, a small a fox or a, a sort of a large dog, um, but the, the head, uh, comparatively, is uh, six to seven times larger than the, than the body, so this is something sort of like a, a T-Rex head, um, almost similar to a, sm- uh, a smaller smart car.
0: It sounds like this is a very cumbersome uh, creature. I, yes, how would it yes. have uh, been mobile? How would well, have it have moved
4: around? It would have been very uh, difficult for this creature to, to navigate uh, movement in, in any sense. This head is is so comparatively large to this diminutive uh, stature that the, it would have had to move in a backwards uh, motion just simply uh, dragging this uh, large cer- cerebral cortex on the ground and uh, so in, in in our minds this would have been a very easy prey for larger uh, dinosaurs so, so
0: Okay, so it's it's it was easy prey for larger dinosaurs. Yes. So do you have any indication about what it would have eaten? Was it a mm. carnivore or herbivore? Or- it
4: is very difficult to say. This point, it it would seem that it would have eaten anything it it could have uh, sort of had near its face. So this would have been prehistoric grubs or or possibly uh, worms, uh, branches, leaves, whatever it could have sort of grasped with its mouth while its head was on the ground.
0: Well, it's a fascinating creature. What happens to the to the fossils now? Where, do, where does it go? Is it well, has it the, been fully preserved?
4: Yes, we've we have pre- preserved it, and it's going to be uh, on display at the Tyrell Museum of Paleontology for uh, students and uh, the general public to just simply go and and sort of uh, witness and observe and enjoy.
0: Well, I want to thank you so much for being here yes. today, Doctor Taylor. It certainly was fascinating to hear about, and congratulations. Thank you.
3: And now, another Golden Microphone Award-winning This Is That documentary. This piece is called Prize Fight.
1: It's Laugh Clappers! The game where you try to make your opponent laugh before they can
5: make you clap. And it's time to play Double Dice with six sides on each dice. Welcome back to Inquisitive, the game where...
0: Dating back to the 1940s, the game show has been a popular staple on television. For over 15 years, programs like Talk Stoppers, Question Keepers, and Fiddle Riddlers have managed to completely dominate the ratings. The bottom line is, television viewers absolutely love the game show. But have you ever given any thought as to who typically goes on one of these shows as a contestant.
5: I don't know if you guys would think this is fun, but we could do it in the steam room. As long as it doesn't affect the equipment, uh, keep away from there because that's where the steam comes out.
0: Meet Canadian Dennis Carnes.
5: I actually won this uh, the whole steam room uh, Oh, a few years ago on a show called Blast from the Past.
0: Believe it or not, Dennis is a professional game show contestant, or as he likes
5: to call himself, I'm a button shark. If it's getting too hot in here, you can just crack the door.
0: Dennis says that currently in the world, there are about 25 people like him, nondescript individuals that make their living solely on the prizes they win on various game shows. He says that for him, the decision
5: to become a button shark was easy. I was about 11 years old, and I remember I remember watching a show on television called Cash Stackers.
0: Welcome
1: back to Cash Stackers.
5: And uh, the, the show itself is a pretty basic uh, game show premise. Uh, everyone starts with a, a stack of cash. How many people can ride on a tandem bicycle? Uh, you are asked questions. Every question you get right, your stack builds. Uh, every question you get wrong, your stack dwindles.
1: Two... That is correct, Diane, with a successful cash grab steal.
5: And I I said to myself, you know what, this is what I want to do.
0: Since making the decision to become a professional contestant or a button shark, Dennis has been on over 125 game shows and has won over $900,000
5: in cash and prizes. Well, I've won cars, I've won motorcycles.
1: And our winner is Dennis!
5: I've won sport boats, I've won fishing boats, I've won fishing trips, I've won trips to Europe. Uh, for 700, I will say tofu. I've seen six of the seven natural wonders of the world. You're the biggest tattletale, Dennis! Congratulations, Dennis. You are the loosest caboose. I was on It's Inquisitive. I was on Laugh Clappers. History hagglers was one that I was on for three
0: weeks. After listening to Dennis describe all of his success, it's clear that when it comes to the game show, Dennis knows what he is doing. In fact, many in the contestant community consider Dennis to be the best or at the very least, the second best. So are you aware of Martin Valance then? Oh, yeah.
4: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Martin. Uh, My name is
5: Martin Valance, and I am a button shark. Okay. A lot of people talk about Martin. I don't, uh, obviously I'm a little biased. Uh, I I don't think that he's he's the best. Uh, I am familiar with Dennis. Uh,
1: Although we have never gone head-to-head on any uh, game before, I'm very excited to play him uh, on an upcoming uh, taping of Block Blockers.
0: There is no question that Martin and Dennis are rivals, and although their upcoming appearance on Block Blockers may seem innocuous to the viewer at home, the fact is there is more at stake. Whoever prevails will be crowned the winningest game show contestant of
1: all time. But I am confident that I am the superior player, so.
0: Arriving at the studio where they tape block blockers, I'm disappointed to find that the environment is quite underwhelming compared to how it looks on television. The set simply consists of a host station and the podium where the contestants stand. Dennis and Martin and some of the other contestants are shuffled off to a green room and told to wait there until it's their turn to play. And with almost zero fanfare, the taping of Block Blockers begins.
5: So if everyone's ready, oh, that's Block.
0: I would believe that the answer is Civil War.
5: I'm going to say the uh, Treaty of Versailles.
0: I believe the answer to that is Abraham Lincoln for two blocks. Martin. That's a triple block. As predicted, after several hours of taping multiple shows, Martin and Dennis have made it through to the finals. I sneak in a quick chat with Dennis before the taping of the final round begins.
5: I'm just, uh, I'm a bit scattered here. I was on a couple of the Button Shark blogs and websites, and it just, it seems like I'm kind of the underdog here. And it surprises me a little, to tell you the truth. Guys, guys can you just give me a second, please?
0: As the block blocker's famous block clock sounds, the block blocker's showdown begins. At first, it seems like Martin may have the upper hand as he's racking up a lot of block stops.
5: And that moves you forward four blocks.
0: But then something in Dennis appears to click. A calm comes over him that I'm now familiar with. He is focused.
5: I'm going to say, uh, was it Vincent van Gogh? Correct. Paris in 1802? Uh, Correct. Uh, I think Mark Twain was the author. And that's a three-block block.
0: And I realize it doesn't matter what show he's on, because to Dennis, it's just a game show. It's what he does. Before I know it, he's unblocked a block, blaster, block blaster, and with blaster, just two please. quick blasts, he's reversed Martin's block stops.
5: For a block steal, the famous Beatles submarine was the color. Martin.
0: I'm going to say red.
5: Incorrect. I'm sorry. Uh, for a two-block block, I'll say yellow. Dennis, you've done it. That's 600 blocks. You are the new Block Blockers champion. Woo! <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you.
0: For his efforts, Dennis has won a jet ski and a trip to Lake Tahoe. But more importantly, he is now the winningest game show contestant of all time. Woo! This is a title that Dennis certainly does not take lightly.
5: It just means everything. It just means everything to me, you know. <laughs> to, uh, to be the, to be the, uh, to be the best, you know. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I just, it's something I've been working on for my
1: whole life, and to, uh...
0: before meeting Dennis, I hadn't given game show contestants much thought, but now. After living for a few days in Dennis's world, I take pause when I see those nondescript people standing behind a podium on television. I wonder is this just another average Joe looking for a quick buck, or is it a button shark in the making?
1: <laughs> oh, I'm just overcome here. I'm the best.
4: <sighs>
0: With my hand firmly on the buzzer, I'm Pat Kelly. Sick Boy podcast is a health and comedy show about what it's like to be sick. Wait, is that right? How can illness be funny? You'd be surprised. Okay. Sick Boy is hosted by me, Brian Stever. And me, Taylor McGilvery. And myself, Jeremy Saunders. Come on in and join us to melt your heart, learn something fascinating, and
5: bust a belly laugh. Trust us, you'll be glad you did. You can find
0: Sick Boy on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your pods.
1: That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. I couldn't believe the program. Give me a break.
4: This is That.
3: Disconnecting from other people because we are face down in our smartphones is an ever-growing problem. But a new app believes it has the solution. The app is called Connect, and its developer Ian Talbot joins me in studio to tell us how his app is reminding people to engage and socialize in the real world that surrounds them. Ian Talbot, it's a pleasure, and welcome to This Is That.
0: Well, thank you very much, Peter. It's a pleasure to be on the program with you.
3: Absolutely. And and what an interesting app that you've developed. Uh, uh, certainly, uh, people being face down in their phones uh, does seem to be a modern problem.
0: Well, it certainly is. And, and that was kind of the impetus behind creating Connect. Uh, you know, I started to observe, and I'm sure you have everywhere, that uh, people are having a little bit uh, more of a difficult time uh, in this day and age being social with one another. We're often buried into our phones and, uh, uh, personal story, uh, that yes. really kind of launched this whole project for me was, uh, last, uh, year I was out for dinner with my wife and it was our anniversary and we both uh, had our phones on the table. She was being a little bit more uh, cautious about using hers, but uh, there was a big sporting event on that evening. So I was constantly grabbing my phone and checking the score. And uh, my wife was getting very frustrated with me. And she said, Ian, please put down the phone. So I would grab it again and I'd check the score. And she said, you do it one more time. I'm putting that phone into the pitcher of water on the table. And when you know it, I reached for the phone and I started checking and she did. (laughs) And for me, that was a a big wake up call for me uh, to recognize that I was no longer uh, able to engage with another human being uh, under my own accord that I needed some assistance. And that's where the light bulb went off for me. Why not create an app that notifies you when you are drifting away from an IRL conversation?
3: Okay, so 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 how does connect work then? Uh,
0: How does the app work? Well, it's, it's very simple. What it is is it, it uses your location setting and your physicality with your body to uh, determine if you are spending too many um, minutes on end uh, looking down at your phone. Uh, it will send you an alert. So, for example, uh, during the course of this conversation, I've had the phone in the position in which uh, I would be looking at it. So okay. if I look at it now, right. just down here, it will send me an alert. There it goes, and that alert okay. uh, as text also comes up onto my phone, saying "Look up, okay. look up." So I'm looking at you.
3: Ah, uh, yes, you are. Okay, so that's I see. So it gives you that uh, uh, cue to uh, to remind you that you're in a conversation.
0: That's right. And if my eyes were to drift down again, and I was ignoring you, okay, the phone is again. using the location to understand that you are. And here it is. Here it okay. goes again. Okay, it's telling so me it's to look up, saying that. So I'm, now I will look con- up, and we oh, will have a conversation. <laughs> now you know, starting <laughs> a conversation is not always easy for people. So what the app also does is it will it senses silence. So if, if you are, you know, not an extro, extroverted person, right. you, you know, it sends you the notification. Oh, there we go.
4: Okay. So sends this me is... to the
0: notification. I'm now to look at you. Okay. Your eyes are up. But then it's sending me a second notification here mm-hmm. with a conversation starter. Okay. And this is a simple text that it's sending me. So here we go. So this is uh, a... the conversation. Yeah, here it is. Okay. Have you ever been to New York? No. Fabulous.
3: Okay, so the, okay, and now so I'm sensing understand.
0: again that I've looked down again. So then it's reminding me to hear what you ha- look. I'm looking up at you I now. You I want to know what getting, you have to say.
3: Uh, me? Uh, y-
0: yes. It's well. It's saying look up. So it's telling me to look up at you. So yes. Okay. Well, no. I yes. I see you. Uh, well, let me shuffle through and maybe another conversation starter is what we need here. Well, oh no. Oh, sorry. What's that no. Uh, that that means well. That sends you when the conversation is stalled. Okay, so, so. it's sending me another. So okay, so hold on. It's starting. It's ten, another conversation started. No need to find a starter if uh, you don't want. I'm I'm happy to ask a question. Do you like your work? Uh, yes.
3: Okay, is that okay. just saying to send another? No, Why do not I go ahead and that's ask you another me question? To look, okay, no, I'm looking
5: at you. Not, okay, no, I'm no, that's, looking at him. Hold on, just a second. Let's turn this off. Okay, no, it's stuck. I'm, I'm looking at you. Okay, well, let's – okay, so let's – I maybe just you can
3: put that down if you want and then
0: – Oh, well, if I put it down, then it thinks that I'm looking at it because it's a location-setting thing. So okay. I'll well, then hold on up. to it. Okay. Um, so what's it the feedback?
3: Uh, what kind of feedback are you getting um, uh, from Connect? Uh,
0: oh, people are loving it. I mean, I've had uh, emails from families of four that yeah, – um, Your eyes are yeah, down there again. I'm okay. getting emails from families saying you've really made supper time a better experience at our house because yes. they all have their – their phones on the table, sure, and they're getting these notifications to one another to to engage with each other. And the conversation starters—I mean, uh-huh. it's a little jammed. I need to reboot. The conversation starters are a little bit more okay. uh, exciting than what I've given you here. Oh, yeah, this is a good one. Okay, um, did you did you read the news uh, today? Yes, yeah, you did. Yeah, that's how, how about that, huh? It was. Great, good headlines. Good, yeah. Okay, okay. I'm it at seems
3: them. to me that you know, if, if the purpose is to get people to socialize, uh, aren't some of these uh, uh,
0: auditory cues aren't
3: they distracting?
0: Well, I think the point is that the phone is not going anywhere. We're, we're living with these things now, and all you have to do is I see people on a bus or with on the a train. A way to just turn off the well, alerts. And... It's, it's, it's I'm drifting down, so I want to make sure that I'm really engaged okay, so with then, you right, right. now, well, that's okay. and I with... believe that I.
3: So just... where can people get connect? This is
1: just sort of.
0: They can get it on the on the App Store. Okay. Um, okay. Well, um, why is that? What an interesting uh, new uh, piece oh, of technology. That's because it doesn't know I'm at the CBC. That's why I've got a go pleasure in to and have the opportunity. Okay. There we go. Pleasure so, to have
3: this uh, conversation with you, Mr. Talbot. And uh, uh, certainly, if, if uh, anyone else is interested in uh, checking I out Connect, they can so get it in the App Store. Uh, we've been speaking one to, one to app developer Ian Talbot. Uh, do you live in town? Uh, we're done.
0: This Is That prioritizes stories about people. Here is one now.
3: Art is typically defined as the expression of human imagination and creativity in a visual form such as painting or sculpture. (laughs) Hi, Lana, I'm Peter Oldring. And it is appreciated primarily for its beauty or its emotional power.
2: Here. Yeah, sorry about this
3: but mess. what if there wasn't anything to see?
2: Oh, sorry, I
3: didn't. Uh, is it still considered art if it's invisible? So there's something yeah. right here.
2: Oh yes, that's probably my favorite piece.
3: Is it a, a sculpture or a, or a painting that
4: we're?
2: It's a sculpture. Are? It's an installation. Lana
3: Newstrom is a 27-year-old artist that's making a name for herself in the art world. She makes art you can't see. Her art is invisible.
2: You know, I did painting, I did sculpture, I did installation, I did ModgePodge, all of these styles, and you know, no one was biting. No one was interested. No galleries would take my work. And then I thought, hmm, invisible art.
3: With Lana's invisible art, there's nothing to look at. Rather, the work exists solely in Lana's imagination. If this sounds confusing to you, you're not alone. Lana tells me how she goes about creating a work of invisible art.
2: Well, essentially what I do is, you know, I'll I'll think, okay, what kind of medium am I going to work in today? Let's say, oh, okay, today I'm going to imagine making a sculpture. So I have to imagine the type of materials I'm going to collect. So I have to imagine balsa wood and some metals, the tone, the color, the shape, Uh, me picking up. Oh, one's a little heavy. some cyan, some ochres. I'm like, oh, this tree's going to go here. I'm I'm going to use a number two brush. Imagine getting some water. Oh, the water's out. I forgot to pay my bill. Right. I have to call the water people. Um, I have to imagine them telling me that I have an overdue balance. So I have to imagine telling them, well, I think you're wrong. I actually did pay my bill last month. I should have water.
6: And, and, and
3: all of this is, is just simply happening in your, in your imagination?
6: Yeah. Attention, everybody. Now listen, I know there's going to be a lot of hands working here, so let's pay attention to what we're doing.
3: Although the merits of Lana's work are highly debated, big players in the art world are taking notice.
6: Nothing gets hung unless Lana says it's a painting, because there's also some sculptures here, right? Okay.
3: As part of Art Week, Lana has been invited to put on an exhibition at New York's renowned Scholberg Gallery. Scholberg Gallery creator, Paul Rooney.
6: You know, a lot of people have a very difficult time Uh, trying to understand what it's like to be looking at one of Lana's imagined pieces. Okay, Jose, would you please get the sculpture? And it's quite large, so you're going to have to lift with your legs. It's heavier than that. It's it's heavier heavier than that, Lana's saying. And, and, And to describe it in words, it kind of falls flat. But when you're there, when you're in the space... When you're in front of her pieces, you're overwhelmed by this feeling. There's a, it's almost a, a connection that defies the senses. Game, and then we want sea foam in sea up here, yes? Sea
2: foam in sea is already actually hanging. Oh, it is? Yeah, it's there.
6: And, and also having Lana there to describe what you're looking at is very helpful, too.
3: But not everyone is buying into the buzz around Lana's work.
1: What Miss Newstrom's work uh, is illustrating, in my opinion, is a, is a lazy artist.
3: Art critic. Morris Hedder.
1: We've actually seen uh, this kind of thing before. In uh, in the uh, 80s, there was an artist by the name of Pierre Lachonks, uh and uh, he would create these sculptures, and then he'd simply bury them in people's suburban backyards art to have any credibility. You have to see it. You have to hear it. You have to be able to interact with it. In my opinion, what Miss Newstrom and, and Mr. Rooney are doing is, is fraudulent.
5: Oh, I'm so
6: glad to see you, you
3: sneak in. I
6: did.
3: <laughs> it's opening night at the Schulberg Gallery. Paul tells me that it's an absolute who's who of the art world.
0: This is fabulous. You guys really did knock it out of the park. This is somebody hard to impress. Oh.
3: It's a strange sight to see hundreds of people looking at blank walls discussing what they think they feel, what they think they see.
0: We were just discussing this, and, and we were both saying that it makes us feel uncomfortable. Yes, of course. My wife
3: said she was interested in a painting, uh, the one with red, and I can't figure out what she's
0: talking about.
3: You know
2: what? I feel like I have seen some pieces, and then some I just can't seem to see.
0: Correct me if I'm wrong, but this is... Uh... Like a video installation, right?
6: Oh, uh, you're
2: actually not looking at anything right now.
6: Uh, the name tags on. are helpful because it at least shows you where they are. Uh, h- how are you enjoying the artwork?
2: Oh, it's, it's amazing. You know, it's obviously a lot better than they describe it.
3: There was I walked in, they were saying, you know, it's right there in front of you. And I said, what, the wall? And they were like, no, like, right in front of the wall, between you and the wall. That's where it is. And I was like, huh? I don't get it.
2: Like, I don't know how many times i got to say this, but there's nothing there, all right? Like, I'm walking through the room, and she's like, oh, don't walk through my piece. And I'm like, lady, there's nothing there. It's just There's just air there.
3: Although it's hard to tell if people have responded favorably to the exhibition... Paul assures me that the show is a smashing success. You
6: know, I, I feel what might be a nice fit for you would be deception.
3: In fact, there's so much buzz around Lana's work that tonight she sold four pieces.
6: Which is Which that piece And that's here. a painting or is
0: it a sculpture? I, I don't, don't know. It's Which a sculpture. Is it?
3: Valued each at over $35,000.
0: Sculpture? Okay. Yeah, okay, that's great. Yeah, we'll do that. We can then deliver you, it yeah. to you. You'll install this at our house, will you?
4: Uh, yes. I will. After
3: spending time with Lana and Paul, I'm not sure that I'm any closer to understanding exactly what art is. But one thing is for certain, it's a lot easier to be critical if you can see it.
2: There's some red wine I've imagined over here, so please help yourself. Oh
3: but I suppose that sometimes it's good to take a leap of faith and believe in the invisible.
2: Oh no, my gosh, oh my gosh. Migration game is missing. Migration what? game has been stolen. What? Migration game has oh been no, stolen. No,
6: no, sweetheart, no, it's fine. The name tag just fell off the wall. It's still here.
3: (laughs) For This Is That, I'm Peter Oldring. At least I
6: think it is.
0: Well, that was another episode of This Is That from CBC Podcasts. This show was created and performed by me, Pat Kelly. And by me, Peter Oldring. With additional voices supplied by... Taz Van Rassel. Caitlin Howden.
3: And Katie Crown. Production support by Kelly and Kelly. Head of production, Lauren Berkovich. Senior producer and sound designer, Chris Kelly. Additional
0: editing by Max Collins. With special thanks to Mike Balazo, Kurt Smeaton, and Chris Straw.
3: Roshni Nair is our digital coordinating producer.
0: Executive producers are Cecil Fernandez and Chris Oak. Tanya Springer is the senior manager of CBC podcasts, and R.F. Nurani is the director. Thanks for listening and remember if it's not this then it must be that For more CBC podcasts
3: go to cbc.ca/podcasts